0: The intersection of our faith in the world is a battlefield, strewn with debris of a fallen world. It challenges even the hardiest souls.
1: And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. Better! Friends, welcome, and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity, a radio show and podcast about real faith for the real world. I'm Richard Mendelow, and as always, I'm joined by and so grateful for my wedded wingman, Christy Mendelow.
2: And I am so grateful always to be here, and i looking forward to this conversation today. And folks, you know, if you have... Uh, Any questions or want to learn more about Courageous Christianity as you listen to the conversation today, head on over to CourageousChristianity.today, and you can uh, find lots of great information there.
1: Absolutely. You could even email us, and we would be totally interested to hear your thoughts.
2: And comment on blogs, and even we can pray for them.
1: That is a big point. We should all be praying. I had this idea the other day after the situation in Israel. I imagined that my prayers, my moment-by-moment moment prayers, were preserving the hostages and lifting the hostages. Not that I'm the power, not that I'm actually doing that, but just that if I prayed unceasingly, then it would be part of their rescue. And then I got distracted in traffic And thought to myself, wow, for every distraction, for every corruption, for every thought that I have or conversation I rehearse, that's a moment I lost in prayer for this world that is so counting on our prayers. Mm. So please um, never hesitate to just speak to God in the one-on-one relationship by which Jesus has uh, gifted us such potential. Amen. Amen. With that said, I have a bit of a story to tell you. Uh, last week, Christy was working, and I was in church all by myself with absolutely no adult supervision. And <laughs> I don't think before you need church,
2: supervision, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> but still, you know, sometimes. So before church, we have this one-hour Old Testament study course that we've been in, and we were supposed to talk about Chronicles. And the day before Saturday, Pastor Alec got sick. And so Pastor Ryan, I assume, had a phone call that says, you're preaching tomorrow and you're teaching Chronicles in the morning. (laughs) Uh, Your pal, Pastor Alec. (laughs) And so I show up, uh, again, no adult supervision, on Sunday morning at 9.30, and poor, tired-looking, new baby having Pastor Ryan (laughs) says, I had to choose between preparing a sermon or... Uh, preparing to teach Chronicles. I chose the sermon, and so we're not going to talk about Chronicles today. We're going to just have a question and response, which is a great uh, format that we have at the church where people can just talk about anything, and we look at the real world through uh, the faith-based lens, and it's totally cool. And uh, so that's what we're doing. And uh, no heartburn there, because if you've never preached before, then... Uh, you have to know how much prayer and how much preparation it takes so as to bring your heart to people uh, with the Holy Spirit to speak God's words. Mm-hmm. So here we are, and um, Pastor Ryan says, okay, so any uh, thing anybody <laughs> want to talk about? And nobody said anything. Crickets. There's always
3: always a pause. It's, always. There's
1: a pause. And I waited. And for me, having been an instructor and having been in that position where nobody's participating, I'm very sensitive to the seconds that pass by. And so maybe what was three seconds felt like 15 to me. And finally, again, uh, no adult supervision, <laughs> I asked what was probably the most difficult question I could have possibly asked this poor, tired guy and um, that question was, why don't Christians engage in the world? Mm. And to be honest, the question went on for probably what was a minute or two, and it was maybe more of a diatribe than a question such that Pastor Ryan had to say at the end of it, okay, what's your question? <laughs> and um, Israel has been on my heart heavily, as you can imagine. Mm. It, it's on all of our hearts. Yeah. And, That's what I was thinking about is, come on, people, this is serious. Uh, These are real lives, and this is uh, a real uh, battle between good and evil and between God's children and uh, this um, evil in the world. And so that's where I was coming from. But nonetheless, being incredibly brave, uh, Pastor Ryan handled it superbly, and we went on to have a very good one-hour conversation, I thought.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, it's awesome to see when you open it up like that after the obligatory awkward pause at the beginning, um, which now I'm glad there was no adult supervision because we, you know, maybe it was just silent for a while, but you speaking up and, and I love the way that the spirit just takes whatever is brought forth. That's something we always pray is, um, Lord, have your way with this conversation. That's what we want. And so that's. It's what he does, and it's really, really cool to see each time uh, just the Spirit taking it and uh, molding us.
1: Absolutely, and a formal introduction is required. That voice is Pastor Ryan Parker, the associate pastor at Pillar Church, which is an amazing church where the Word of God is lifted up and taught and prayed about And it took Christy and I a long time to find a church, and we have made that our home. And if you're in the North Houston, Conroe area, I highly recommend visiting Pillar Church. And Pastor Ryan, before we get started totally, would you pray for us? Absolutely. I'd love to. Let's go to the Lord. Father, who are we that you would listen
3: to us? God, who is man that you are mindful of him? Lord, we get to speak with you, that the God of the universe listens to someone like me and you care. So, Lord, we bring everything to you. We want to lay out this conversation and this time that we have together. We want to give this to you, God. Would you have your way with our conversation, Lord? Would you bring uh, truths to mind that uh, you want brought to mind, Lord? I pray that if you want to pivot the conversation in any way, God, this is, this is your time. This is your glory. Um, God, this is your kingdom. We're here. Please use us as you see fit, God. I pray that you would uh, just bless our time together, uh, bring scriptures to mind, um, and Lord, lead us in your truth. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Uh, very good. Christy. You had a I
0: point just
2: had we uh, you mentioned that Pastor Ryan was a little sleep deprived and has a new <laughs> he's a new father uh, to Grace and Ella Rose.
3: Ella That's Rose right. is
2: the 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 newest addition. To the
3: yes. And, and, I, and I wrote Ella Rose. It's Ella, Ella Rose. We're kind of trying it out. She's only five weeks old. So we got some time.
2: She she doesn't have a vote in the set yet. <laughs> not yet. No,
3: not yet. <laughs> It's no.
2: beautiful, beautiful. Maybe when she starts
3: sleeping through the night, then yeah, we then can we'll talk. talk. Give it. <laughs> then, yeah, then we can talk. Well, yeah. congratulations! Thank I you know, very much.
2: It must be a uh, challenge to, you know, pastor a church and then get here at the studio. So we really appreciate you. Absolutely,
1: you. absolutely.
3: Yeah, Honored to be here. Thank y'all for having me.
1: So, I talked about this uh, question that I asked, and it was coming from a place where I think it's critical for Christians to be receptive to the fact that we live in a fallen world. And a failing world, which cries out for faith and healing, which comes from faith in Jesus Christ. And so I believe it's the responsibility of Christians to confront that need. How do you respond to that? I'm
3: going to first respond by asking um, you to narrow that again.
2: <laughs> Even though this one was much more go. narrow than, than okay.
1: yeah. So at The intersection of our faith and the secular world, Mm. wherever that is, whether it's uh, waking up in the morning in a house as the spiritual head of the household and everybody's tired and you are going to now uh, create joy and bring God into everything and Mm -hmm. let Jesus be there, or you're in traffic on the way to work and somebody cuts you off and you're... Uh, faith-based world just intersected with Mm. the outside world, or you get to work, and again, your faith-based work bangs up against uh, the world and all of its perceptions. And so now, as you stand firm in faith, you have this opportunity. Mm. And uh, on the show, we've referred to that opportunity as uh, critical ground, Or a classroom, and if we step away from that opportunity, the classroom goes away, Mm. and the critical ground goes away. So a lot of Christians are obsessed with being (laughs) conflict-averse. They love Jesus the Lamb, Mm. and they're not so in tune with Jesus the Lord. And so when our faith brings us into contact with the world, and if we stand firm, not as um, belligerents, but as... People centered in faith, knowing who they are, knowing what they're called to do, and we say to that person on the narrow road to Christ, if you want to throw yourself off a spiritual cliff, you're going to have to go around me, but I'm Hmm. going to stand right here. I'm going to stand firm in faith, and I'm going to ask you, what are you doing? What are you thinking? How are you? A, A question I ask all the time is, are you okay? Yeah. And so that's what I mean in that tiny little opportunity right there. I think a lot of us step away because we don't want to upset the apple cart, but the up the apple cart is barreling toward the cliff. Right. That's what I mean.
3: Gotcha. Thank you for that. Um so I I would say that it starts well before that divine appointment or the person cutting you off or whatever that is. Um and what I mean by that is we wake up in the morning and we have the minds we have a kingdom mindset with an eternal perspective and we also know that we live in enemy territory that this is not our home field so to speak and uh Jesus said in John 16 or you will have trouble in the world right you hear people oh became a christian and um, or I sought out Jesus or what was their version of Jesus because I wanted everything, you know, thought he would just, you know, take all of my trouble away and everything would just be butterflies and rainbows after that. Torres, mm-hmm. um, he said the exact opposite. He said, you will have trouble in this world. Not maybe, not if you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Also, take up your cross daily. That's not a one time deal take up your cross daily. So it starts with that kingdom mindset, the eternal perspective and preaching the gospel to myself. I'll use I and me language, preaching the gospel to myself, rem- reminding myself I am spiritually bankrupt. I bring nothing to the table. He gives everything freely. And so I want to lean into him and to rely on him. And then when We go out into the world, and we're met with that interruption or whatever it is. Now we're not scrambling, but we're in His Spirit.
1: Amen. So what you're hearing is that it is a battlefield. We shouldn't expect marshmallows and candy canes, and we should prepare, speaking Christ first to ourselves and then taking every opportunity to speak Him to others. Stay with us, friends. We'll be right back.
2: God's word says that he loves a cheerful giver. You've probably heard that part of scripture often quoted when it comes to tithing. Friends, we'd like you to consider your cheerful giving to God through courageous Christianity. With your tax deductible donation, you will be helping us achieve our mission to equip Christian men for the spiritual battlefield in order to glorify God and create godly change. No amount is too small. You can make a donation by texting any amount to 281. 281- 84940. That's 281-800-4940 or visit courageouschristianity.today. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of host Richard Mendelo's book, Right Makes Might 40 Days to Courageous Christianity, a devotional that will equip you in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate and find more information about the Courageous Christianity ministry links to all the aired shows, a blog for Christian warriors, and an opportunity to submit prayer requests at CourageousChristianity.today. Please donate and be a part of sustaining our efforts in serving our Heavenly Father by serving His warriors on the spiritual battlefield. Please text to donate at 281-800-4940 or visit CourageousChristianity.today. God bless you.
1: Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity. We are here with Pastor Ryan Parker, addressing a question I asked in church the other day when he was incredibly tired, and I said, why are Christians loath to engage? And I've told this story many times on the show, and I'm going to just tell it one more time, and that is after we came back from a patrol in Afghanistan. I was listening to two of my Marines speaking, and a 20-year-old says to a 22-year-old, Um, can you believe America's been at war for almost a decade? And the older Marine laughed, and he said, America's not at war. America's at the shopping mall. We're at war. Mm. And so you said, as we were going out to break, we're on a battlefield, Mm. and we should expect hard. And if we could adjust our thinking to – see it as a battlefield, then we won't be so startled by hard or taken aback by hard, and then maybe we'll be more interested in engaging with the appropriate skills at those various intersections. So when I say, or rather when you say it's a battlefield, what, how are you seeing that exactly? It's a great question. Um, well, I say that because
3: Scripture says we're in the midst of a spiritual warfare, and that other flesh and blood is, is not our enemy. Our enemy, this is Ephesians 6, where it talks about the armor of God, um, but we wrestle against the unseen in the spiritual realm. Um, and that reminds me of what Peter says to kind of piggyback off what you're saying. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12, he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery trials come upon you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Hmm. And it's another way of saying, do you not know we're in the midst of a war? Right. A war. And here's the deal. It's not on your shoulders, but you have been called to engage. You've been called to engage. And guess what? God will equip you with every single thing that you need to be able to carry out and to walk in the good works that he has laid out before you. Uh, as we read in Ephesians chapter two, verse ten, and so we 're in this battlefield, and we come upon if it 's uh, an interruption or something you know something bad happens, we should take peter 's words here to not be
1: surprised that 's such a good point. I got a text this morning from a good friend of mine and former guest on the show he 's also a former marine, and he said, "Did you see that they 're sending uh, two thousand marines over to the middle east mm. and I think he expressed some misgivings about that, and I said, we can expect that they have a clear-cut mission. We can expect that they have been properly resourced. We can expect that they have rules of engagement. We can expect that the generals and the nation that has put them in harm's way will provide for them. And I think you'd agree that we can expect that. I understand some dissonance around the state of our government and what we really should expect. But if we can expect that, as Americans, whose sons and daughters are deployed in combat, can we not expect, as Christians, that God will resource us appropriately for the mission for which we are here, as I've said before, the special operations branch of the Judeo-Christian family? Mm, And so it is a battlefield, and... We can expect that we are resourced and trained appropriately. Can we not? Uh, no, absolutely. And if,
3: if you're listening and uh, it's, oh, it's a battlefield and it's going to be hard, these things are true, but this is not doom and gloom. Can you imagine how boring it would be if there was just Nothing. It,
1: right. if it was True. just
3: what was it marshmallows and candy <laughs> Marshmallow. yeah yeah
1: well, well, cloud. I'm great. tired so that sounds good that sounds like <laughs> know, a meal so who was it was it pastor Alec who talked and- about uh <laughs> what did club cloud no it was you who yeah, said yeah, the cloud club
3: <laughs> yeah that was uh off three hours of sleep and like, a couple hours heads' to notice that I was preaching so yeah we got some cloud club like uh comments in there but um yeah he he's going to equip us with everything that we need and as i say that i'm preaching to myself uh you know this upside down kingdom that god has he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 that whenever we are weak or whenever we perceive ourselves to be weak that's when his strength is is being perfected in us right that that's um That language there is it's happening as we are trusting. It's happening as we are going, as we take the next step in faith going, okay, I I might not know exactly what this looks like, but I know that you will give me the words within the hour, as your word says.
2: So in a way, I'm hearing that its we're wrestling with an internal battle first, Mm -hmm. going back to that mindset. And so if we haven't done that work and engaged kind of like Jacob wrestling with the man, Mm then we aren't transformed. So how could we ever engage out there on the battlefront? Just like I can imagine, obviously, as a Marine, Richard, I mean, you had to do a lot of internal mindset work, a lot of work, prep work, before you went on the battlefield. If we haven't done that, then we're not equipped.
1: Yeah, there were a lot of times in Afghanistan (laughs) and Iraq where you sit there and you say, what are we doing? Does this make sense? (laughs) And... There are indications all around you, whether it's uh, women being killed by the Taliban or children getting blown up by the Taliban, and what you're seeing all around you creates dissonance between what you believe is the case and what's supposed to be the case. Mm -hmm. And so I think in this world, our faith is a belief in the unseen, and it's sometimes easier to believe the play that's going on on stage and we have to remind ourselves that behind the screen of that stage, behind the black curtains in the back, is a God who has won the battle, Mm. and uh, his Son, Jesus, who gives us the strength and shields us from evil, who also already won, Mm. and the Holy Spirit in us. And yeah, of course, there's the devil back there. And he's trying to make scenes happen on this stage. Sure. But as we sit in the audience, it's easy to sometimes believe that the stage is reality, but what's reality is behind the stage. Hmm. So we have to have faith in that. And I, I know that can be challenging. <clears throat> yeah. I know there were times in uh, combat when it was challenging, but that's what's real. Mm-hmm. We are told that's what's real. Our faith is based on that. And you're right about it being an exciting opportunity. And, you know, it's easy for us to go uh, to Jesus, Lord and Savior, skip right past the Lord part, get to the Savior part. Right. And be thankful that uh, that weight of our sin is lifted from us. And then forget about the requirements of the Lord mm. as we walk around under his banner. Right. And do as he says do. Yeah. So there's not really a question in there. I'm sorry. I just got excited. No, it's okay. I Um, I, I
3: love that. Yeah. Okay.
1: So here's a question for you. Sure. If Christians concerned themselves with the needs of others, not worrying so much about ourselves, would we not be more effective? Mm.
3: Yes. And that just reminds me of Philippians, is it two or three?
1: I love how you go first to the book. Uh, (laughs) let our opinions let our our attitudes all be shaped by the book
3: (laughs) who wants to sit here and listen to opinions when we got the word of truth amen um so is this now i'm trying to wonder if i'm in the in the right chapter here um to where paul paul says yes look to your own interests because it's it's not neglect all of your needs Right. Because this is the temple we have. We are stewarding this body, which which is the temple of the spirit um, that that Christ died for. However, it says, look also to the interests of others and count others more high than yourselves. And if we're all just sitting around, just worried about ourselves, the the internal dialogue and the battle, if we're all just doing that. Uh, then nobody's looking up. How how are we making disciples? Yeah. How are we going to the nations to make disciples if right. if we're just if we're just in our own little world in our own little island?
1: And uh, yeah, let me tell you something. When you're in a combat zone, your feet hurt a lot, your back hurts a lot. Uh, maybe you just want a hot meal. Maybe you want a shower. And if you stayed on that combat outpost thinking first and foremost about those needs. You'd never go outside the wire where you actually make contact with uh, the enemy Mm. and reshape perspectives. And so maybe it's a little bit like that. I also find it freeing if we can focus on others because my problems seem a lot smaller Mm. when I back away from the the tree of my problems and I consider the forest of the world. I actually backed away from the mic. I was getting excited again. But... (laughs) That's freeing because yeah. guess what? I, I don't like looking at myself in the mirror and all the good that I can do is predicated on uh, looking first to the needs of others. Mm. Uh, one should not think more highly of oneself than one ought, mm-hmm. which is hard to say fast and on the radio, but anyway. I thought you did
3: a pretty good job. That
1: was okay. was <laughs> um, so So uh, obviously we're talking about Christians at the intersection of their faith and sometimes we back away. And... Maybe we back away because we're waiting for somebody else to do it. Like when somebody says, who volunteered to do this? Or who
2: wants to bring a question to the table in theology class. (laughs) Nobody says anything, crickets, (laughs) and
1: then somebody raises their hand and uh, throws you under the bus. And then
2: five other people do.
1: Yeah. Because it always
2: takes one, right?
1: I think that's one of the reasons Americans are so obsessed with politics is because we keep hoping we can elect the right politician who's going to fix our problems. Mm. But that's not the way it works because, as we've said, politics is downstream of culture and culture is downstream of faith. And the fix is going to be from the ground up, Mm. from hearts uh, invaded by Jesus Mm. and uh, hearts which bring themselves in submission to what he says is right and good and just. And we throw off the opinions of the world, and we throw off our own opinions and we just say, Lord, how may I serve you today? And it's that plus uh, seeing the world for all of its struggle and all of its pain that just makes you want to minister to people, speak truth to people, give people a hug, but definitely stand firm in faith. And we're going to talk about that in the third segment. Stay with us.
2: They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine. And now our veterans need your help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Stratton, Richard Mindelow's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives in military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life.
1: Friends, since we launched this show, Christy Mendelo has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of Courageous Faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She's the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings this to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are or a friend or family member is struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You'll want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over all the shows on Courageous Christianity and personally, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM. KKHT, The Word. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity. And we're talking with Pastor Ryan Parker about a question I asked in church the other day. Why are Christians sometimes hesitant to engage with the world from a faith-based place? We try to be nice. We try not to upset the apple cart. I don't know what an apple cart is, but we try not to upset it. We're not going to upset it, yeah. We're not going to upset it. And then what's happening is at the place where our faith meets the world, uh, on that critical ground in those anointed opportunities, we step aside, and consequently, we're losing ground. And the world knows less about our God and our Savior, and um, perversity is just uh, all around us picking up steam. And so we wonder, uh, how do we stand at that intersection? And during the conversation, Pastor Ryan recommended a book called Tactics by Gregory Kokel, I think is how you would say his name. It's spelled K-O-U-K-L— And I ordered it, and it's a fantastic book. And he brought to mind a perspective I did not have before. So he talks about that intersection as gardening. Mm -hmm. And he looks at it and says, maybe you're so busy just uh, preparing the soil that you don't actually get to spread the seeds. So spreading the seeds would be evangelism. Preparing the soil would just be opening up a dialogue with someone in a um, gentle way, in a compassionate way, where you ask them questions, you're genuinely curious, Mm. and that starts to break the soil apart where it will eventually be receptive to seeds, and it's God's responsibility to scatter the seeds ultimately and nurture them and harvest them. And so I think that's a, a beautiful vision that I get, because sometimes I think we step away from that intersection because we feel like, I've got to bring this person to Jesus. Mm. And f- friends, th- that's God's business. Right? Y- you're just there tilling the ground. Well, yep. as
2: you tell that story, I'm reminded of why I'm here now. I mean, obviously God, but years and years and years ago, two people in my life kind of tilled the ground, if you will. And then God took me through trials and um, tribulations. I mean, he, he was with me all the way to here. And now um, I'm, I'm much stronger in my walk. I have a long way to go. But that was...
1: You're not uh, perfect?
2: Uh, no. no. Far from it.
1: No. <laughs> Whoa, what just happened?
2: And everybody will attest to that, that I'm not. You so. know,
1: I've told this story before. In aviation safety... Uh, There was not a big evolution until 1978, where after uh, two bad crashes, um, the world said, the aviation world said, hold on a second, NASA has been doing this research on human factors, and there is an alternative. And so... A lot of the world doesn't know there's an alternative, and so it's not going to change. But if it sees us and if we conduct ourselves right, right. then what we are first and foremost doing is proposing an alternative to their mm. current suffering, to their current pain. And so the way we propose that alternative is critical. We, we can't see it as the need to be right or the need to like get it all done what are you thinking?
3: I mean, we have to see ourselves, like I said earlier, as spiritually bankrupt. So, as the old saying goes, I butcher it every time, but it's something along the lines <laughs> of, "We're just beggars pointing other beggars to where the bread is." <laughs> like we, and 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 to to talk about or to speak on the uh, why don't we? Why are we hesitant? Why are we fearful? Why do we stay in the gardening instead of the, all that? Um, the enemy, is he has lost, and he cannot have you, and he cannot win, but he will try to make you as ineffective for the kingdom of God as possible. And mm-hmm. what I've seen, and this is from my own life and just in Scripture and the lives of others, two big weapons are fear and shame. And especially in our culture today mm-hmm. that uh, we, we have the, the shaming culture. You know, you Christians are so arrogant, thinking that you have the truth. Right. Right. Your way is the right way. Um, you're so exclusive, which is funny because uh, those that say they're inclusive are very exclusive of those who don't have their view of what inclusivity is. If that, if you're tracking,
1: I'm, I'm included with what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It makes total sense, and it's is bizarre to me. The here. people who want consideration <laughs> offer none.
3: Right. Right. And, and we, uh, you know, our culture, our world, really this pluralistic, everybody's right. Um, nobody's wrong. Nobody say anything, uh, bad. And, and, and if you do, then you're, you're hateful, you're evil, you're terrible. Um, and that, that does absolutely not, we just don't want to step on toes or, or rock the boat
1: and, that's not our call. Yeah, it's not loving to watch somebody throw themselves off a spiritual cliff without first offering some guidance. And the thing is, friends, it's a narrow road that leads to Christ. And he said many will be on this freeway, this giant freeway, but few will find this this narrow road. Mm. And it genuinely is an off-ramp nowadays. It genuinely is a departure from mainstream thinking because if you think about 50 years ago the world thought more in faith than they do today sure. and even the abominations of that world were still coming from a faith-based place whereas now well we
2: we've removed god from so many
1: right things. so things seem more secular and so it does take a more courageous uh blessed anointed act where maybe god has to call us louder but the bottom line is, there but for the grace of God go I, we are called. Right. And it's not because of anything we've done. It's because of people who he puts in our paths. paths. And so we must be those people for others. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's exciting. Um, and, and we get to be a part of that.
3: Who 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 am I that God would use me? He doesn't need me. He can do this all on his own, but he's going to use a broken sinner like Ryan, like myself, or like you listening, uh, he'll use you to to advance his kingdom, to spread the good news of the gospel. And, of course, the enemy is going to come with and, and say, no, you can't do that. What are they going to think of you? And here comes fear, here comes shame, or here comes whatever he'll try to use to hinder you from sharing the good news that someone once shared with you. And when I said it's not our call, what that means is, we are called to be joyfully obedient to who he is. And you said, we love a savior, but not a Lord. And we think the Lord has got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. But really following in those ways leads to life and leads Amen. to joy. And Amen. and this reminds me of uh, a quote, and I said it on Sunday, but there was a Christian apologist. His name was Nabil Qureshi, and he grew up Muslim, uh, and he just passed away just a few years ago. Um, but one of the things that he said – that has always stuck with me was, was this when he was not a Christian um, and he wondered why his Christian friends didn't share the gospel with him. He said, how much do you have to hate somebody to not share the gospel with them?
1: That is Mm. an amazing, amazing thing. And uh, I love putting it that way because it's Mm. the flip side of the equation. I think a lot about having been cured of cancer and then knowing the cure for cancer and keeping it a secret. Right. How could you not tell everybody? And so what is that telling? If we're now talking about the opportunity, how and what is that telling? I'm at this opportunity, and what you're effectively doing is trying to guide. You're trying to guide someone to Jesus. Mm. And if you were trying to guide someone to your house, the first question you would— ask is, where are you coming from? Mm. And so if you remember in the conversation in church, I uh, said, I had never before thought of the fact that Jesus knew precisely where everybody was. Mm. He knew the woman at the well had five husbands. He um, knew all their different stories. And so he didn't have to ask uh, as many questions as we do to figure out where they're coming from. To be able to lead Mm. slash guide, not berate, not belittle, not shame, but guide. And so in the book Tactics, uh, he talks about asking questions. And in class, we talked about genuinely being curious. Yes. And it's a curiosity of love because if we cannot be cut off from each other by all of this cultural nonsense that says you're you're this, you're that, that, all these labels, then I can say – uh, who are you? What's important to you? Mm-hmm. Um, are you getting that? Are you laboring under a heavy load? Would you like to know how you can no longer label, uh, labor under that heavy load? Uh, genuine curiosity, genuine questions. How does that sound to you? I love That sounds great. And I love what Greg Kokel
3: uh, – I know him personally, so it's not Gregory, it's Greg. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. But he has <laughs> such a great <laughs> – Um, I don't want to say tactic, but I don't have a thesaurus in front of me. A great tactic for sharing uh, his faith. And he does so by, just like you said, asking questions. And both questions start with a C. Um, And I wish it were three, right? You got to have three that have to be alliterated. But two (laughs) C questions. And the first one is a clarifying question. It's They they make a statement. And instead of us jumping into, oh, I got to have the answer, right? Because sharing the gospel is not a sales pitch. I think that's what happens a lot of time. Like, you we think close we're like door-to-door deal. salesmen. Yeah, right. we got to close the deal. And if not, then the boss is going to be mad. And what is the... No, Paul, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God brought the growth. Our call is, is to plant and to water, and he will do that work. But asking these questions is just like what you said. It's, it's okay, hey, what do you mean by that? Whether if it's that word or that statement instead of jumping into it. Right. Because when someone makes a claim, it is first, it is not, we shouldn't just jump in. We should ask them, Hey, what do you mean by that? Because if we're going to give them truth, then we, we should understand the question first.
1: Absolutely. Friends, what you're hearing is a heartfelt desire to see others and to lead them to Christ. And you can't fake it. It's real. you got to feel it. And we're going to talk about it in the final segment. Stay with us.
2: Recently, Ryan Reed was a guest on Courageous Christianity. And we want you to know more about his jiu-jitsu gym. Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is a place where you'll find good people and great jiu Whether you were training to learn self-defense, to get in shape, looking for a new hobby, or want to compete, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in Huntsville, Texas has something for you. Log on to GracieUmaithaHuntsville.com to learn more and to get your two-week free trial. Log on to GracieUmaithaHuntsville.com today. Did you know that about 25 million Christians don't vote consistently? That's about one in three Christians, and that's a staggering and unfortunate amount. Many Christians stay home on election day because they think their vote won't really make a difference, but what if 90 million Christians stood united for Christ? We could have a real influence on our nation. God's word clearly calls us to bring the influence of our faith into every aspect of our lives. We, here at Courageous Christianity, along with My Faith Votes, want to see Christians boldly standing united for Christ. My Faith Votes is a nonpartisan organization that mobilizes and equips believers to pray unceasingly, think biblically, and vote in every election. Even though the recent elections have passed, now is the time to join with us and My Faith Votes to pray, think, and vote in all future elections. Go to myfaithvotes.org to learn more about voting your faith and to stand united for
0: Christ. But the songs, it won't stop coming. The am bursting at the seams well i just can't seem to shut it off the music in my
1: head is playing friends welcome back you're listening to courageous christianity and we are speaking with pastor ryan parker associate pastor of pillar church conroe has a new baby in the house uh, about five <laughs> weeks old and so he's not sleeping much and so a lot of the time he doesn't make much sense But in talking about the opportunity Christians have to love the world around them, he makes complete sense. And Christy and I love his teaching, and we love his heart for the Lord. And uh, we had a great conversation with him uh, last week in church. Not so much Christy. She was working. I was at church. And um, we dug into... Christians engaging the world around them by stepping away from it, and uh, in the last segment, Pastor Ryan said he quoted a Muslim theologist who had come to Christ who said, how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them the gospel? Mm. And so we talk about that intersection of our faith and the world where we're just supposed to prepare the ground, and maybe somebody will start thinking about their position on something, and then— uh, somebody else will come and sow seeds, and all of it 's god 's responsibility, but we have a responsibility to stand firm in faith and It can be scary, and I think a lot of people think we got to be nice, but we really don 't uh we got to be kind, and kind is different from nice yep. and so I told you this a couple of shows ago. I went and researched from Matthew chapter ten. To Matthew chapter twenty, where Jesus enters Jerusalem, he has uh, many anointed engagements. I think I counted like sixteen, and those were meetings with people or opportunities. And in some of those meetings, he walked away from conflict. He said, "We're going to the other side of the lake. Nothing godly is going to be achieved here. Not doing this won't be provoked. Uh, see you later, little fellow." And then in other situations. He embraced conflict where he was brought with uh, face-to-face with a demon or a centurion came to him and said, Heal my slave. And then in another category, he actually sought out conflict, i.e. healing a man in the synagogue mm-hmm. on the Sabbath. Don't <laughs> tell me that's not seeking out conflict.
3: Oh, yeah. He knew what he was doing.
1: And so Christians must... Um, have all of those weapons in our arsenal where we are ready to make an explanation of our faith for the other person's good because this is life and death yeah all right i'll stop talking you got it how does that strike you this notion of conflict opportunity being prepared yeah uh so
3: when we're walking by the spirit there's no need for us to wake up and go all right First person I meet today. I'm, there's going to be conflict, and we're going to fight, and this and that. If you're walking by the Spirit, again, we're living in enemy territory. If you're walking by the Spirit, you're going to run into the devil. And as as my old pastor used to say, if you don't run into the devil every now and again, you might start to wonder if you're not running with him, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's going to be conflict. And so being joyfully obedient to the Lord's call for whatever that is, and I like how you said earlier. Like it's exciting, you know. Every day is man. Who's who? The the Lord's going to put someone in my path. Um, you know, whatever that is, we just need to be need to be ready. Um, but for the conflict piece, we should not shy away from that at all. That there is, especially if fear starts to bubble up, that should actually be a, a, a flag for us or, or like a notification that um, oh, Satan doesn't want this because. Looks like some kingdom work's going to be done here. Some hearts can be changed. Some lives can be changed. So he's going to try to get you with fear, but perfect love casts out fear, right? And so um, as we engage, we are um, we're not s- seeking out conflict in the sense of all right, I'm going to go get somebody, um, but we're simply walking in obedience. And the Lord's got it. He knows what he's doing. He's been doing this a lot longer than we have.
2: So as we talk about that engagement, you had mentioned earlier in the last segment that there are um, some Cs about that engagement and that you wanted three Cs, but we got two Cs. And you said clarifying questions. And what was the – I might have missed the other thing.
3: No, no. I'm glad you asked. So clarifying questions. So it's what do you mean by that? Um, Especially if people are just parroting slogans as Coco would talk about. Uh, And it's just stuff that they – they hear on the news or they read a tweet, and they're like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Um, and because we don't like conflict, we don't engage. We just let it go by because, oh, we got to be nice. Do you remember in class I actually searched Scripture for the word nice? Zero matches. Right. It ain't in there. It's not in there, right? Huh. Right. That doesn't oh, mean wait, we need to be yes. rude and or anything <laughs> like that. Kind is in there uh, with gentleness and respect, as First Peter 3.15 says, to always be ready to Tell, essentially, it says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you.
1: Mm. I, love I love that. And as you know, as a coach, Christy is schooled in the art of helping people to understand where they are by asking questions. Yep. Um, and it's it's an amazing thing because, as you said, when people use slogans, it's because they haven't done the thinking. Right. They're being a parrot. Mm -hmm. And they're not in a place of awareness, and they may not even be aware of uh, the decision point that they're at, where they say, I have this stress because I have this uncertainty, because I've built my life on shifting sands, doing what the world tells me, thinking what the world tells me, Mm -hmm. and I want something solid, and by the way, there's only one thing solid. And that Mm. is God and the Word of God. And that says that we should build our house on that Word and then do that Word. The man who builds his house on it and does it. And so, Christians, it's not enough that we're happy with our house built on the solid ground if we aren't out there doing it. Uh, And I think that's important. And so, final thoughts. Engaging the world as a Christian. First one is, I'm actually going to answer
3: your question. I'm still, I'm like, where is the second out. C? Yeah, it's just anticipation, the buildup. That's what I was Thank going you, for. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, the second C is conclusion. So it's something along the lines of, they say something and we ask, okay, how did you come to that conclusion? And it's not, it's not uh, an attacking or anything. Mm, it's it. friendly curiosity. We yeah, really want to learn how did they get there? Right? What you're look,
2: thinking here. like Exactly.
3: Yeah. And you ask enough questions and you can get through the top layers and to really find out what is hindering them from surrendering everything to Jesus. Well, oh, I don't like church. Oh, this and this and this. And you ask questions. Okay, so how did you, you know, what do you mean by this? How did you come to that conclusion? And then finally, since we're asking questions and we're interested in them, showing that we care, they go, hey, you know what? Actually, one time, I was real young. I was at a church camp and something happened.
1: Amen. That's where it is. And that's how you find out where people are. And that's how you can begin to guide them toward Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth, friends. And that brings us to our moment of truth. As you know, in every show, we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs our discussion. And our Scripture today comes from Psalm 27, verse 1. And it says, The Lord is my light. And the one who saves me, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Friends, these people that we meet along the way, that's our opportunity. They're not a challenge, they're not uh, somebody for us to best, somewhere Mm -hmm. where we can be right. Christ came to save. To save, he has to put people to a decision, and it's life and death. First he puts us to a decision in our journeys, and then he puts the people we meet to a decision through us. So the idea that pull up the ladder, I'm aboard, just does not work. And so as I began thinking about the show and uh, showed up in church uh, wanting to have a conversation about Chronicles, and it took a totally different turn, I was thinking about what does Chronicles talk about? And in a very positive way, it talks about the history of uh, Israel. And it ends with the reader at this place where we are looking for the coming salvation. We're looking for a solution. And the stories of Chronicles point to the fact that faith is hard, that in faith we will have many enemies, but that we need not fear. And so, Pastor Ryan alluded to that when he said, We must begin with a kingdom mindset. Yes, we live in enemy territory. Yes, we will struggle. And if we see ourselves as small but for the opportunity that we have in Christ, if we see ourselves as no better than the people around us, as spiritually bankrupt as anyone were it not for the grace of God, then we can overcome the fear and shame that we may feel that the devil may inspire in us and minister to those people as we seek to use the two C's to clarify. And the last one?
2: Conclusion.
1: Conclusion. I was
2: listening. (laughs) We're supposed to till the
1: soil, friends. We make it ready. Like the heroes of the Old Testament, what matters is what you do and why you do it in difficult times. It doesn't count when it's easy. It counts when there's a cost. And when we choose God and the things of God in these moments, his will is done through us, and that's Courageous Christianity. Pastor Ryan, thanks so much for being with us today. Friends, thanks for joining us today. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 FM, KKHT The Word in Houston, Texas, at KKHT.com, on your favorite podcast app, or on CourageousChristianity.today, where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. Honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and simplify.